as a salesperson and professional, one of the things that you deal with is rejection. And if you're going to deal with rejection, how do you reframe it? What do you need to tell yourself? What are some examples? And how do you get past people telling you no and turn it into a yes? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today is a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios on episode number 195, Reframe Rejection in Sales. If there's one topic that I get talked to a lot or asked about, this topic of rejection is something that people will overtly come to me and ask about or covertly come to me and ask about. And overtly is, Scott, how do I get past rejection? And it may be in a form, it may be in a group, it may be in a a large session. And then covertly is people will say, hey, Scott, can I talk to you after this class? Scott, can I reach out and give you a phone call? Scott, I really, I need to know something. And there's an energy to it. So I typically know that it's coming. And so this, this comes up and I already have a couple of episodes on rejection. So some of what I go over may be a slight recap, but I've got some new content for you just so you know because I am working on a new project. I'm constantly looking on stuff like, how can I improve? How can I get you content? What's a different way for me to say it? Who's somebody that I could talk to that I can interview to gain an insight that nobody has to distill it, to turn it into something that I can give to you? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if I could do that, I can help myself. So I uh, went through a very bad breakup, 2008, 2009. I bring that up a lot because it really impacted my world of sales. But I also got an, in, an, an internal view of what rejection is. And when I meet with buyers, uh, I have a reframe. And so like I met with a buyer, I don't know, six years ago. And he says, Scott, I hope I don't reject you and you don't feel bad about me telling you no. And I said, dude, let me tell you a story. 2008, 2009, I was engaged to get married. Didn't work out for all these reasons. I'm not going to detail them for you. And by the time that I was done, the dude was like, that's a masterful rejection. And I said, yep. So what you're rejecting me about for this product for to be bought is like all the way down on the ground. The rejection that I faced in my life, the, the things that have happened to me, that's like all the way at the ceiling. You're not even an afterthought. You're going to tell me, no, I don't care. <laughs> and the dude says, all right, I'll buy. <laughs> it wasn't meant for him to buy. It wasn't meant for him to, um, it wasn't meant for him to do anything. It was like, he, he kind of, he kind of pushed that button. He's like, well, I don't want to reject you. And I just told him like, look, you have no way to reject me. That's my reframe. I take all the bad things that have happened in my life, all the grief, all the anxiety, all the problems, all the bullying, all the being made fun of. And I look at him like, that's the biggest form of rejection that I'm ever going to face. That's the biggest form of, of anything that I'm ever going to face. You know, I've got people in my life that love me. I got people in my life that appreciate me, that cheer me on no matter what I do. I got approval from them. And so sometimes, sometimes our biggest problem is who we look for approval from. There is weight that we give to the people around us. It could be our friends. Our friends want to see us succeed. 
We may have friends that are doing better than us and we're trying to catch up. Okay. Could be family members. You want people to, that know you and love you to see you in the best light. Could be coworkers. You're competing against the dude that's a little bit better than you or the chick that's a little bit better than you. And you want to like get that friendly competition going and you're almost there, but that, that five extra percent of closing rate, you're just not hitting it. And you really want to, and it's something that you want, need, or desire. You something you want, need, or desire is a way for you to be rejected, just so you know. Could be a coach or a mentor that you want to prove to them that you've taken the content, the strategy, the information, the coaching, the training, and you've put it to work. Could be the world. You're like, look, I want people to see that I I I am successful, that I got the shoes, I got the car, I got the watch, I got the house, I got the girl, I got the dude. You know, we look around and and we all look for approval for somebody. We do. And like when you recognize the people that you look for approval from, this really does help you enlighten uh, what you do with rejection. So there, there was times where I wanted people to see me for, for one way. And when I didn't get it, I felt rejected. And what's really weird is sometimes we search for approval from people and they don't even know it. <laughs> Think about that for a second. We search for approval from people we don't know. Like, uh, hey, dude, nice car. Hey, guy, nice watch. Hey, chick, nice looking husband. You know, like sometimes that's the exciting thing. You know what was weird is I was shopping the other day and uh, (laughs) all my clothes come from Hawaii. So I always wear like surf brands like TNC Surf, which was a huge brand in the 80s when I was a kid, 80s and 90s and Local Motion and Dahui. Like like, it's funny. I was at a store and I was wearing uh, a TNC Surf hoodie. And it had the big giant, you know, yinging sign on the back. And this dude came up to me and he was stoked. He was like, bro, I haven't seen one of those sweatshirts in years. Where did you get it? And I was like, in Hawaii, they've got tons of them. I think I have 15 of them. And he was like, hey, I'll buy it from you right now. And I said, no, I'm not going to sell you my hoodie. It's cold outside. I hate being cold. But like, that was a form of approval. Like, uh, you know, sometimes people who wear concert t-shirts, like they, they, I don't know, I I love rock. And I think of like the old Megadeth t-shirts and the old Metallica t-shirts, like all that stuff from that era. Like it was like instant approval. Somebody sees you in it and it's the nod. You think of people who drive Corvettes, they've got the nod. You got people who ride motorcycles, they've got the point. You know, every every subsect of society has the the approval. And we, and at, deep down inside, we want approval from others. We, we want people to look at us and give us that nod, the wink, the smile, the wave, whatever it is. And so there's things that you need to know about why rejection hurts, because sometimes we don't get the wink, the smile, the wave, the nod. We don't get it, and we want it because it's a dopamine rush. We want that dopamine rush. We need the dopamine rush. And so, like, you know, there's, there's things that give me dopamine rushes. Watching a sunset on the North Shore of Oahu in uh, Waimea Bay, Haleiwa, you know, that's fantastic. Uh, depending upon the time of the year, it could be Yokohama Beach on the other side of the island. It could be coming from Honolulu, Sunrise, Lanikai. Those are like massive dopamine rushes for me. You know, finding ooh, finding some French house, like the, the French touch era, the like 98 to 2003, that funky disco house that came from France, like boom. Like if I can find some some records that are hard to find right now, that's a dopamine rush. And like, so like you think about like this, like, there's things that you want in life and uh, and you like maybe you go on eBay or something and you put up a bid against it and you can't have it because somebody beat you to it. Like that's a form of rejection. You just don't think about it that way. And so like 
sometimes that reframe that you need is is how you look at what's going on. A reframe is just a redirect. It's like I'm thinking about it this way, but I could really be thinking about it that way. I should have I should have given you that definition earlier on. So there's really six things that lead to rejection. Time, effort, energy, risk, money, and the newest one that I've added is reputation. I didn't used to say that. And then a couple of months ago, I was working on a project and I was like, oh, you know what? If you put reputation on the line, there's risk to that. Now, conversely, the opposite of time, effort, energy, and risk is the formula for regret. And so like uh, when people say, I wish, that's regret. I wish I would have done it this way. Well, when salespeople tell me, I wish I would have closed that deal, I start asking like, what kind of time, effort, energy, risk, money, and reputation did you put on the line? And when people say, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. That's like a feeling of shame. And like, I, I'm going to tell you right now, the conversation about shame is probably something that you're going to see a lot more of in the next 12 to 18 months. I can feel it. It's, a, it's, a, it's on the horizon. It's a bubble. There is a lot of content that's starting to broach that topic. And, and so I'm giving you a heads up. I'm probably going to do an episode all on shame. In fact, I paused for a second and I made some notes here on my, my running document. So you have to be able to reframe what you're going through. And sometimes it's hard because we're deep in despair. And, you know, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I've been through this. I'm sure I'm going to go through it again. I'm sure I'm going to deal with it again. So like, I'm not impervious to this. I'm not some perfect human being that, that never makes mistakes and doesn't have problems. And I hope that I point that out for you enough that it never feels like I'm preaching. That I'm, it's a conversation coming from me saying, look, look, there's days that I suck. There's days that I am the greatest thing on the planet. There's times where I don't get bothered by rejection, and there's days that I do. There's days that I close every deal that comes across to me, and there's days that I lose them. So uh, the reason I bring this up is to, to let you know, we all go through cycles in life. We all go through periods of our life where things work out perfect, and then they don't. And then they work out perfect and they don't. We, we lose friends, we lose family members. And I don't mean like by death. I mean, like we lose them because things go sideways. We lose business partners, we lose teams, we lose associates, we lose, we lose, we lose. You can make it the list and go on forever. And so when you think about this, we get rejected all of the time. We do. You just don't realize it because there's no real time, effort, energy, risk, or reputation involved. So when I work live with salespeople, I bring this up frequently. I'll be like, who just got rejected today? And people look around and I haven't been rejected today. I say, sure you have. You've been rejected. You just don't realize it because there wasn't really much time, effort, energy, risk, money, or reputation on the line. So I'll ask them, say, like, when you were driving today, did you pull up to a stoplight that was green and it turned yellow and then turned red real quick? And they go, yeah. I'm like, dude, you got rejected. Chick, you got rejected. Like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, that's the reframe. You ever go to the grocery store and you're about to jump in line? And just before you get to the checker, they're like, sorry, sir, sorry, chick, line's closed. And then you look over and the line's like a mile long. You don't go, oh, gosh, darn it, I just got rejected. I feel so bad about myself. Usually you go, oh, I really didn't want to stand in line. You ever go to a store and they got a special and you miss out? You're like, I got some FOMO. Oh, I missed out. Some fear of missing out. Not only do I have fear of missing out, it's real life that I missed out. Sometimes items sell out. Like I have a set of headphones that I freaking love. Uh, they're RAMA650s and they didn't, they've stopped making them. Like I contacted the vendor in Ireland and I'm like, I love your headphones. I want more of them. And they're like, sorry, sir, we don't make those anymore. Maybe you can find some on eBay. 
And then recently I was on Amazon and I'm like, oh my goodness, this dude's got like 20 pairs. So I ordered four pairs of them because I really like the way that these things feel. I like the way that they, they go, they, they go around my neck. You know, I wear headphones everywhere that I go because of my hearing problems. So I always have headphones with me. I'm always looking for a good pair of headphones. <laughs> Random fact about Scott. I love headphones. I got more headphones than you could imagine. I got lots of headphones. I, every, every style you could imagine. So discontinued items, to get back on the topic, discontinued items, that's a form of being rejected. And so that's a reframe. So like, why am I feeling rejected is a good question. Why? Why do you feel rejected? Was it because when you take a look at it, it was a friend, a family member, a coworker, a coach, a mentor of the world that you were, you were trying to get your accolades from, that you were trying to get your thumbs up from, that you were trying to be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like if you ever, if you ever want to see somebody light up and you want to see this in real life, Pull up next to somebody who's got an amazing car, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Porsche, Rolls Royce, and just say, hey, man, love your car. Nice car. Like when they first get that car, they're going to be like, yeah, they got a big smile on their face. And after about the thousandth time, they're like, yeah, whatever. They don't even care. They don't care. They've, they've lost that dopamine rush. Um, you know, that, that little kid in the candy store is gone. And so I'm not saying to do this, but if you went to them and said, hey, Dude, hey, chick, your car sucks. Well, now they might get defensive because now you're rejecting them. You don't even know them. They're like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I came from. You don't know why I've got this. That's really what it comes down to. And so please don't go to people and put them down. That's not what I'm saying to do. I'm just using it for an example. We put weight to items because it's part of life. It's, it's real life. For some of it, there's real life consequences. For some of it, there's no life consequences. So I've got friends that are in various industries, and I want to give you some some examples, okay? So uh, I have friends that worked on Broadway in New York that were on shows that either sang or danced or were in the musical world. And so the producers, producers can be some vile people. They can say some freaking hurtful things. You want to talk about rejection. Like dancers put in hours and hours and hours of work to get the choreography down. And then they're like, no, nah, I don't like the way your toe looks. Get out of here. Get off the stage. <laughs> uh, I got a friend that was a dancer on Broadway and she was on a show and I'm not going to name it, but it, it was an interesting show. And so um, she was in her early twenties. So back in the, she's 45 now. So I don't know, 25 years ago, she was in her early twenties and it was a topless show. And we were talking and she was sharing with me like the things that producers said about women's bodies back then, she said was very destructive. And she said that a lot of of women who were on those shows that danced, like not only did they have to know how to dance, they were like, they were being, they were being uh, broken down by anatomy. So like we think of rejection and sales like, oh my goodness, it's my image. But like when you think of what other industries go through, it's like image plus, plus, plus. Actors, actors can get eviscerated by producers and so can musicians. Like when they're trying to get that chair, when they're trying to be the first chair and trying to be that person, like, you know, you know, what's a really good movie to watch is Whiplash. That, that is a good movie to watch, to see what sometimes people go through and, and, and you see like sometimes what coaches will do to people. You want to talk about rejection. Like you don't want to let somebody down. You think of like sometimes people who get into a position uh, and, and they've worked their butt off where Whiplash is a movie about a drummer. Like it, it's 
it was intense. I will, I will tell you, it messed with my mind for a little bit. Uh, so like, I have the saying, it's not a sales call, it's a performance. And it's like when you think about it, you think about these musicians, these actors, these dancers, they're going through a performance. They've got a routine. And so there is risk for you. There is risk for you when you've put in the time, effort, energy. And so here's the thing. You put in time, energy, effort by doing practice. You put in time, energy, and effort by meeting with your buyer. You put in time, energy, and effort by knowing about your product, your service, your competition, the local laws, the local regulations, the time frame for shipping, the time frame for installation, the time frame for delivery. And then you don't hear back from a client or a potential client. You're like, dude, this, this dude just ghosted me. Well, that's rejection. You're, you're, you're vulnerable. Like the word of the day is vulnerable. Like as a kid, I had to watch Sesame Street, right? And they always had the word of the day. Like the word of the day about reframe is vulnerability. It's, it's uh, how you, you look at what you're done. And the thing that sucks is when you get ghosted, you were vulnerable to say like, here, I'm putting it all on the line for you. And then you're not calling me back. I'm putting it all on the line for you. And you're giving me some crappy objection that's not even true. You can't even be truthful with me. Like I just recorded an episode of the How to Sell show about how to have the tough conversations, the the straight talk. And I will give you a version of a line that has worked for me a couple of times of a word track. And like, hey, look, at this point, I've spent the time, energy, and effort with you. At least be uh, straight with me about what's going on, you know? Now, there's a time and place to use it. Does it work every time? No. Is it going to work for everybody? No. So as a salesperson, you go out, you meet with a buyer, you put it all on the line for one or two words of approval. Like that's what you're really looking for is you're looking for approval. You're looking for somebody to tell you yes. And so the reframe for you is like, what is it that you're looking for the approval for? You're looking for the approval for the sale. You're looking for the approval of like, someone's going to congratulate me for closing that deal. You know, there's think there's people that I call in my life when I close deals. There's people that I call in my life that like I want that dopamine rush. I am I'm 100% raising my hand. I could think of a deal that I closed recently and I called a friend and I let her know. I was like, close the deal. And you know what she said? Good job. And that good job felt more better, <laughs> more better than closing the deal. The accolade felt more because it was somebody that I respected a lot. And I wanted them to know that I put in the work. Like the money from the deal was like, yeah, that's freaking cool. But you know what was more better? Getting the accolades from the friend that was like, pat on the back. Good job, Scott. And so sometimes it's not just about the money. It's about the accolades. It's about the appreciation that somebody gives us. But at the end of the day, we're vulnerable to people. Like I think back of like, okay, told her about the deal that I closed. What if she would have been like, yeah, okay, I've got my own stuff going on in my life. It's, it's the what you put into the belief of what people are going to tell you when the deal is done. It's what you put into it, what you're going to tell yourself. Because sometimes our worst enemy is, is us, is me, is I. <laughs> I want to raise my hand. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. And getting ghosted is a horrible feeling because it's ouch. It's ouch. I put in all this work, effort, energy, risk, and everything for one or two words. And you just can't tell me no. You, you, can't, you can't just, you won't tell me no. You know, like there's been times where I dare buyers. I'm like, I dare you. Tell me no. Just I dare you. Tell me no. Just tell me no. Scott, you know, I, I, I want to, but I can't. Just tell me no. I dare you. I dare you. That's the I dare you close. I've used it. I've closed some deals off of it. And I've gotten thrown out of calls because of it, just so you know. So like the reframe on this is the buyer has risk as well. We all have somebody we answer to. That's the rule of life. That's Scott's rule of life, number one. We all have somebody we answer to. 
That's the magic reframe. And so like sometimes when you think that you're meeting with a decision maker, you're not meeting with the decision maker. And sometimes the decision maker is the friends, the family, the coworkers. It's it's the who is going to judge that buyer. So uh, I I like to interview people, just so you know. And I like to interview people and ask them tough questions that nobody else asks. And there was a time that I sat down with uh, my mentor, Kevin Hogan, and I said, Kevin, when you influence people, what's that outside influence that nobody thinks about? And he said, Scott, we all have people that influence us. It's a friend, it's a family member, it's a coworker, it's a boss, and they have influence over us, and you don't always know who they are. So like one of the questions I, I like to ask is like, who is going to be the person that judges you for making this decision? Because I want to know who the influences are. I want to know who the person is that's going to try to tear me down. And so we, we look and like, what risk does your buyer have? They have friends, family, coworkers, or a boss that's going to be like, you made a da- bad decision. Because we all have relational capital. We all have some sort of thing that's going on. And in a big organization, if somebody screws up, their neck is on the line. I got a really good friend and she does capital sales. And she's like, Scott, if somebody makes a bad decision, it could be life altering for them for their career because they bought the wrong product. It's a lot of stress. So they put a lot of scrutiny onto what's going on. So they will reject you. So if you're struggling in your personal life, rejection hurts. If you're not making money in professional life, rejection hurts. If you have emotional issue, professional rejection hurts. Right? If you if you have emotional issues that are going on in your life, please find somebody to get you help. I don't mean that in any bad way. There's nothing I'm like 100% genuine. Please find somebody to get you some help. If you need approval from others in the form of a deal, professional rejection hurts. And you got to find the way to reframe it. It's not it sometimes it's not them. Sometimes you got to tell yourself it wasn't them. Sometimes it was it was my performance and I'm working on it. Sometimes you got to reframe and say there's I I didn't do good on that one, I'll do better on the next one. It's it's what you tell yourself and so your your brain is a computer and you're programming it constantly from what you're saying and what you're doing. You're constantly like hey, I'm I'm not good or I'm I'm bad. Like this is I have a maxim that I live by in life. And I literally have it on my goal board that says always encourage others. Always encourage others. If you ever see me in the forums on Facebook or any of the places, someone's like, I close this deal. I don't care how big it is. A thousand bucks. Good job. Congratulations. I close this deal a million dollars. Good luck. Good job. Congratulations. Go have some fun. Enjoy yourself. Because at some point, I may need that for me. And I'm hoping that that favor gets returned. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But like, you know, they're just looking for that approval. They're looking for the trophy. They're looking for the dopamine rush. You know, I see people, I see people, people post like I won this big deal. Congratulations. Good job. I see people post. I bought this car. Congratulations. Good job. You got this. Hey, I got a work anniversary. You know, there's a lot of things going on in my life. Like, look, that person is looking for a dopamine rush. They're not looking to be torn down. And it's weird because like somebody who's struggling personally in life will go in that, that forum or that group. And like, oh, you know what? That car is not that good. You should have got a different version. Ah, uh, you know, that house isn't big enough. I'm like, oh my goodness. If if you take stock in what that person says, it it has the capability to tear you down. So when I look for approval, I look for approval from people that I love and respect. That's the rule. So sometimes people will say mean stuff to me and I'm like, okay, I got to reframe this. Does, does this person have anything to do with my life? Do they love me and they do they respect me? Do they love me and do they respect me? Love and respect. Those are the questions. 
Do, do they love? Do they respect me? Are they trying to help me out? And if not, then I don't care. So, you know, uh, I love, ooh, I love a custom suit, custom ties, nice shoes. And I remember I was at an event with my dad and we both went in nice suits and ties. Like, boom, bomb diggity. Custom suit, custom ties. And I had somebody come up to me and say, you know, Scott, uh, you look like a pompous ass. I was like, what? Dude, I don't even know you. And I had a couple of people at the event stand up for me. And they're like, dude, this is Scott. He, he's just here to help you. You don't know anything about him. The guy ended up coming back after a couple of days and apologizing and just said, there was something about you that day. So sometimes we, if, if I would have bought into that, I might not have ever showed up in an event again in a suit and tie. You know, I wear Aloha shirts everywhere I go, a Ren Spooner Aloha shirts. Wear them everywhere that I go. You know, sometimes people make fun of me. You're a bald dude and you're wearing an Aloha shirt. And and I've got like a thousand YouTube videos with Lays on. Yeah, I do. Because I think it's 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 anti-sales training. That's why I do it. I think it's like the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Everybody's like, hey, this is the way it is. I'm like, I'll go do it from the beach. I don't care. But if I put stock into like what everybody else told me that like, hey, that's not the way that you do it and you're doing it wrong, I wouldn't have shot a thousand videos on Oahu, Maui, Kauai, and the Big Island. It just would have never happened. So just remember that in the business world, people will adopt a perfect protective, protective device and they're hard on salespeople. And for them, it's defense. It's a mechanism as their role as a buyer. And so, you know, some non-commercial buyers do this. It's their protective device. So sometimes the reframe is it's not me. It's like, this is how the person had to act to protect themselves. They, and not all the time does that reframe help a hundred percent. Sometimes like that's what they have. I remember, I remember, I don't know, like about eight years ago, I met with a woman who needed an air conditioner and it was in the, in the middle of summer in Sacramento. And I want to say it was like 110 degrees. And the company that I was associated with was selling air conditioners. Let's say 15 grand was the bottom. I don't remember what the number is, but whatever the number was, she only had half. And I think I was like number 13 out of 18 bids. So like, I sat down with her and I said, hey, look, realistically, there's nothing that I can do for you. Why don't you show me the proposals that you have and the people that you've talked to and the people that you met with? And I can I can point you in a right direction. But for me to go any further with you, there's there's no there's no reason that, you know, I, I can even continue this conversation. We're not even on the same planet. You're asking for something that I have no no capability for. And in the middle of summer, when it's this hot, you're going to have a tough time finding a company. And she didn't look at us rejection. She said, thank you for helping me. Thank you for taking the time. There's been a lot of people who've come out and just, you know, blown me off. And so, you know, she had a good reframe. It wasn't rejection. I was there to help. It wasn't rejection for me that she couldn't buy from me. It was like, this is the lay of the land. This is the way it is. She can't afford what I have to offer. So why not just point her in the right direction of a company that was going to be a good pick that was going to take care of her? I didn't, I, at that point I've got, I told her, I said, I've got no skin in the game. We're not doing business and it's not a mean thing. It's just, you don't have the wherewithal or the capability to pay for what I have to offer. You know, for you, one of the things that you could do is you can watch rejection in real time and you can ask yourself questions about it. Okay. So, uh, live sales presentations. I like to watch other people present. I like to watch other salespeople because I'm like, Hmm, is there something that I can learn? Is there something I could have done better? Is there something they could have done better? And I look at any sales process. It's a kiosk sale in a mall. If it's a car sales process, if it's uh, 
uh, timeshare process. If if it's like when I go check in at a hotel and they're trying to do an upsell, if, if I'm renting a car, if there's an upsell, like I'm always looking for like, where is something that I can learn from, someone I can learn from every day of the week? Like, you know who screws this up that they, they should do way better is airlines. Airlines, like when I fly, like I'm flying to Hawaii in two days. I'm, I'm literally getting on a plane in two days. They leave, like they leave this up to chance, like where people can bid on better seats. Like if they were all about it at the gate, they would be like, we got seats available. Why don't you come up here and buy one? But I think what it comes down to is people are scared of rejection that nobody's going to do it. I'm, I'm always surprised, especially when I fly on airlines that have first class seats that are empty. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can go to the desk if you have uh, nothing, if everything you're carrying is carry on and not checked. And there's a lot of times where you can bargain for a first class seat. Now, not every airline will do it. But like, there's been times where I pull out a credit card and go, "Hey, you got any upgrades available?" And they'll say yes. I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, because you can look online to see how many seats are available. What do you want to sell that seat for?" And sometimes they'll be like, "You know, sir, that that upgrade's like a thousand dollars." I'm like, "No, come on. You know, at the end of the day, that seat's going to go empty. Do you guys want some money or none money? I'll give you some money, or it's going to go empty, and you're going to get none money." And there's been a couple of times where I've been able to buy and get in some upgrades. It hasn't happened as frequently as it used to, but like try these things, you know, go out and, and make deals for things that are inconsequential to your life. Try to get upgrades for rental cars. Try to get upgrades for hotels. Try to get upgrades at restaurants. Be very polite with people. I'm going to, here is Scott's secret of life. Number one, be friendly with people. So, uh, I went to, I went to breakfast in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago with some friends and it was for a business meeting. And I have this belief that if I can make people laugh, I can get anything that I want in life. Insert the diabolical track right there. Okay. So we go to breakfast and we're in LA and I make it my point to give the server the most amount of fun she's ever had with people, but I don't tell her that. Right. And so we're done with our meal and we had been there for an hour and a half. It wasn't very busy. So I wasn't camped out trying to take those, those chicks, uh, you know, uh, tip money. Because if you camp out when somebody's a server, it causes them a lot of problems because they live off tips. So she ended up coming over and be like, hey, you know what? She knew me by name. She was like, Scott, I have never had this much fun with anybody. And so she was like, let me at least buy you dessert. And I said, no, let me buy you dessert. (laughs) Let me buy something for you. And it was just a good, it was a good reframe. We had a lot of fun. Okay. So if you make it your point in life to have some fun and ask for requests and see what you could do. See, see if you can talk yourself into situations that are non-dangerous and, and low, low risk to you. Find that upgrade. Find, find a way to make somebody laugh. So you can, you can watch guys hit on women. Uh, there's more risk in it for guys hitting on women than women hitting on men for the most part. So if you go to a bar or restaurant or a place where guys hit on women, you can watch guys hit on women and watch that process. You can get the the language patterns down. You can get the vocal pitch and tone down. You can get the body language down. You know, my friends and I, we used to go to bars and I would get my cranberry juice or my, my Sprite or my water because uh, I'm allergic to alcohol. And we we would bet on guys hitting on women if they were going to get a phone number or if they were going to uh, end up meeting that that woman later on down the road. You can watch Shark Tank. Shark Tank is a good place for you to watch rejection in real time and, and watch for the reframe. Because the reframe for you when you're watching Shark Tank is did they give a good presentation? Were they able to answer questions? Did they give a masterful presentation? 
Like now that people, there's been like 10, 10 years or 12 years or whatever the number is of series, people kind of have like, okay, and these are the directions that I could take this. But early on in Shark Tank, there was some people who had to overcome some adversity. Not like it is today because people understand deals just a little bit better. You could watch The Voice, America's Got Talent, American Idol, or any similar show and watch what people find uh, entertaining. There's some people who just are masterful. I, I, you know what? Every night before I go to bed, I either watch comedy or something motivational. And every morning when I get up in the morning, I watch something motivational for 10 or 20 minutes. And there's days that like, if I don't feel like I got it, and there's days where I'm struggling personally, I will go and I will watch American Idol, The Voice, uh, uh, America's Got Talent, and I'll, I'll watch for when people win because I'll borrow those emotions. That's a reframe. You can borrow the emotions of somebody else winning. Like every Sunday night, I watch a movie like Rudy, uh, Invincible, um, Greater. I, like there's a whole list of movies that I have that I'm willing to watch on Sunday night because I want that to be my frame for the week before. That's a reframe. Uh, I, I talk to salespeople just about everywhere that I go because I'm always looking for a way to be better at what I do. And I was at Costco one time and there was an outside sales rep and the, and the guy was selling pans and it wasn't busy. And he was just kind of standing there and I said, hey man, I've got really nice pans at home, but I train salespeople and you got a few minutes to talk. And the guy was like, are you serious? And I said, yeah, let's have a conversation. I'm kind of curious about what you do. Tell me about your process. So I, I did not interrupt his sales process. It was literally, there was nobody in Costco and there was nobody working around. It was just, it was, it was dead. I said, Hey, if anybody comes up, I'm not trying to, you know, mess up your cell. I'll stop talking. I'll, I'll come back. So for about 10 minutes, I talked to this guy. And so he told me all about his process and I asked him how he dealt with rejection. He said like, look, Scott, I deal with it like an assembly line. When it's busy, I close deals. When it's slow, I close deals. I focus on the person that I'm with. And sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. But I can't be upset because on the average, I win. I was like, oh, that's pretty freaking cool. I like that. So I got some ways for you to get past rejection, okay? I really do. If you're really struggling, please get some help from a pro. Go talk to somebody, family member, clergy member, uh, hotline. Just get some help because like professional, professional help is way better. And one of the things that people are scared out of their freaking mind to talk about when it comes to the world of sales is mental health. I was giving a presentation in Las Vegas and I said, mental health is one of those things that nobody wants to talk about. And somebody stood up and like, Scott, you shouldn't have this conversation. It has nothing to do with business. I said, it's got everything to do with business. Mental health is, is real. We, as salespeople, we deal with rejection. We deal with problems. We deal with struggles, but sometimes we don't have the ability to raise our hand and say, I need some help. Bob Beverly is a guy that I interviewed on rejection about six years ago. And he goes, Scott, when your car breaks down, you go to a mechanic. When your tooth hurts, you go to a dentist. He goes, when your feelings hurt, you go to a therapist or you see a psychologist. Keep a journal. There's something really cool about keeping a journal. I got to tell you that the content that I create online, whether it's a video, whether it's a blog, whether it's a podcast, is kind of a journal. Know that there is a learning process to sales. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to filter people out. That's a reframe. Get some exercise. Get some exercise. There's something magical about exercise that just fixes a lot of problems. Go and laugh. You can watch two to five minutes of comedy before and after a sales call. Pick your guy. Pick your person. You know, there's so much comedy online now, it's easy for you to do. When, when, I, when I first started in sales, I went and bought a whole bunch of sales CD or comedy CDs. And if I was struggling before I'd go to a sales call, I'd make sure to listen to about an hour of a comedy CD to get my mind right. If I lost a sell, I would write in my journal what I did right what I could have improved on. Uh, uh, 
and I would put in a comedy CD. And like, I wouldn't let people call me and interrupt me because I was trying to get my mind right or I was getting my mind right. Donate time to a charity. There's always somebody out there who needs something more than you. So I have some reframes for you as well. You know, you can reframe and say, hey, this is what I do. This is what I chose to do. This is what I love. You know, for me, I love seeing the light go off in a salesperson's head when they're like, I finally get it. I can go close deals at will. Um, the reframe for me is I love what I do because I know how to save companies that are on the brink of destruction and I can teach their salespeople how to close deals. The reframe, the average salesperson, the average salesperson closes one out of every three deals. If you can close one out of every three deals, you're doing okay. I'm not saying to give up. I'm not saying to stop learning. I'm not saying to keep moving. I'm saying like, look, if you're closing one out of the three deals, hey, you're doing average not a bad thing. It's like you have some room to grow, but you're still on track. You're going to be okay. If you're closing 50% in a lot of industries, that's a closer. One out of every two deals. And then at some point, you get really good at sales. It flips and the odds work to your favor. But you got to put in the work. You got to put in the effort. You got to put in the energy. You got to be able to do the reframe and say, this is part of what I do. It's part of my job. You know, you think of like people who are out fishing and when the fish gets off the, uh, the, the hook, like sometimes they get rejected, be like, dude, that's part of life. I put in time and an effort. And I was trying to reel this monster fish in and it just didn't work. There's a point where it flips for you. <laughs> Sorry. There's a point where it flips for you and that uh, you know that there's a 75% chance of closing the deal. That three out of four people you, you're going to meet with over time are going to do business with you. It's all about the work you put in. You get what you put in, your practice, your work, your reading, your role play, your classes. And the good news for you in the world of sales, there are so this is a reframe. There's so many lazy people that will just sell on price and then they'll just price match. And then there's a few masterful people that learn how to do it and learn how to get past rejection. I'll share with you, I've had a lot of rejection in my life. It's taken a lot for me to get past it. Occasionally, it still bothers me. Occasionally, it'll get underneath my skin. And then I'll go, okay, what do I got to do to reframe this? How do I make it work? How do I get back in the game? Like if it was a football game, what would the coach need to tell me? If it was a soccer game, what would the coach need to tell me? If I was on the swim team, what would the coach need to tell me? If I had a mentor here, what would the mentor tell me? It's time. It's going to pass. You'll be better on the next one. You're going to be okay. It's part of the game. You're going to be all right. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.